You're listening to the My NFT Journey podcast. Each week our host Andy Storch will share his journey and newly found passion for non-fungible tokens. Welcome to My NFT Journey. I am your host Andy Storch and this is a show where I share my NFT journey as well as the journeys of others and the lessons learned along the way and interesting projects and companies that I've come across to help you with your NFT journey. And today I'm talking with William Anderson, who is the Vice President of Engineering at Voice.com. Will is the former VP of Engineering at Forbes. And now at Voice, William's mission is to make NFTs and our tangible digital future easy, engageable, equitable, and carbon neutral. He's also an artist and a collector and a stegosaur. Will, welcome to the show. (laughs) Uh, no, th- th- thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, I, I mean, I-, I I couldn't have asked for a much better intro. Hey, here at Voice, where uh, we have a lot of missions, yeah. but we're a carbon neutral NFT platform, really focused on art and artists and emerging art collectors in the digital space, and particularly beyond the environmental aspect of it, finding a way to bring in underrepresented communities into that scene and give artists a platform. Yeah, I love that. So what is the stegosaur part that you had in your in your bio? Yeah, so my, my favorite animal is the stegosaurus. And right. I, I don't get this as much anymore. But like, when when I decided that people would be like, that can't be your favorite animal. And I would talk yeah. back, I'd be like, why? And they'd be like, well, because it's a dinosaur and it's extinct. Yeah. And like, I mean, still feels like it can be my favorite animal. Right. But so my 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 artist pseudonym has become over the years stegosaur. And uh, in my own art practice, stegosauruses are the subject of a lot of my art. Okay. All right. I like stegosauruses. I, I think you could, that could be your favorite animal. Why not? I mean, some people would say the unicorn is their favorite animal, and that's probably even less. Yeah, that's even you know, more out there, right? Right. Yeah. Even more out there, right? Some people may think they're real. I don't know. When it comes to art, it's all perception. You know, anything could be real, right? For sure. So, Will, tell me, how did you come into this space originally? Like, how did you get into Web3? Was it through crypto or NFTs? Like, what was your entry? Yeah, to be honest, it was it was through this job. Okay. I Voice has been an amazing experience for me. I've, I actually just hit my first full year here. But, you know, I'm an artist myself. I'm a collector myself of, of, of many things and, and of everything. And I've had a career as an engineering leader. So like the idea of coming into a company and being able to work with artists on things that people care about, collect and are passionate about and still continue my career as an engineering leader is what drew me into this opportunity. Hmm. And a big part of why I was hired into this was to to help voice grow into a platform and to be an effective leader. It wasn't because of my NFT expertise. But then of course, like part of onboarding successfully into any company is like, learning the context of that business and getting in. And I think once I started pulling that NFT thread, like all of a sudden I had a full unraveled like sweater in my hands. Mm-hmm. And like, I was, I was, I was all into this, uh, absolutely all in. And so uh, that is how I, I started that path. Right. What was the first NFT that you purchased yourself? Have you become a collector? And is there a project or an artist that you are a big fan of or that you've collected a lot of or spent money on? Yeah. I guess I want to answer this with like two two NFTs because I okay. think that they're like two kind of significant ones. As, as a disclaimer, I don't own any crypto. Okay. I can't hold it. I spend it on NFTs. As soon as okay. I have crypto, like it goes into NFTs, and then I'm and then I'm at I'm at zero. All in your pocket, yeah, in your digital yeah, pocket. And, and I and I make and I make lots of bad choices there. I think my first <laughs> NFT ever though was a Crypto Kitty, right? And okay. I know that that's a probably not a super uncommon answer, Yeah. but I lost it actually. I, I've, I've lost multiple wallets 
I part of like didn't write like you know I had MetaMask. I don't remember my password. I made up something super secure, but of course like so secure that I can't remember it. Yeah. I didn't write down a seed phrase because I was new to it. And why would I write this thing down? Like go oh. away, right? Like yeah. And, and so and so you know crypto kitties not and and what I'm gonna tell myself is probably a small amount of crypto and those yeah. wallets back then and I lost it. But I think there's a I won't I won't give a name for the project because it's it's now it's now gone it's collapsed mm. but there was another project that was a PFP one that came around later and I was looking into it and I was like, wow, this is cool. Like they say, they're going to form a DAO. What's a DAO? And I'm like reading it. And this is like the early days of roadmaps. And I'm yeah. like going, uh, the mid days of roadmaps, I should say, going through and be like, wow, it sounds like these people have a vision. The art looks like what, you know, what NFT art, like I put that in air quotes, was yeah. supposed to look like kind of the right. board ape aesthetic. And like they were popular. And so, so I bought one of those. And of course it didn't like, it didn't go anywhere, but yeah. that was like the start of me starting to look into to PFPs and PFP type projects. But the question of like, what do I own or what do I own a lot of or what am, am I happy about? I, I will say like, whenever I buy art, I, I, I have a Drifter Shoots or just one of the additions, but I'm very happy to own that. But whenever I buy art in support of an artist, I never have regrets. I'm, mm. I'm always happy with that. Like it's it's a, a good purchase. Nothing go, goes wrong with myself emotionally. Yeah. Whenever I bought an NFT to make money, I've failed miserably. <laughs> Like, 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 so that's, for me, that's not the scene. For me, it's about artist support and it's about building my, my own collection or yeah. backing a, a project that has good intentions for the world. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I've thought about that a lot. And I think I've even talked about it on this podcast as well. Like when I've gotten into something because of FOMO, like, oh, this, everyone's jumping in, I need to make money. And then it goes down. I feel awful. If I buy something and I have like true conviction and all the right reasons, and maybe it goes down in value, like, yeah, it doesn't feel good. But at the same time, like, well, I know I got into it for the right reasons. So it's not so terrible. Like I was supporting the artist or the project, or I really loved it. Like whatever it is, I can hold it for the long term. Not a big deal. And especially when I'm talking about, you know, maybe here, here I'm going to say traditional artists, but I, I don't necessarily mean like pigment on canvas. I, I, no. I mean, digital artists as well, but like artists who have been maintaining art practices before the NFT like scene started to emerge. When yeah. I buy art from them, and I see them make another piece of art in the future, even if I'm not the one that buys it, like to me, that is a return on investment, right? Mm. Like it's an emotional one. It's like uh, me going. buying that and they enabled them to keep up their career and keep yeah. making art. And ultimately that's what I want is to see more art from an artist that I love. I think we're going to see a lot of that in this space for artists, especially musicians as well, to be able to support people and keep them going and then like feel like you're part of that art. And then like, maybe if they blow up, maybe you, your stuff is worth a lot more money. That's probably not going to happen, but you can feel good that you you supported them and, you know, losing the wallets, it's kind of funny, but I also talked to somebody just yesterday, talked to many people like this, but somebody yesterday who apparently mined seven Bitcoins in 2010 and then has no idea where that wallet is. So there's a lot of that out there of people that have lost stuff over the years. I, I have a, I have an iMac that has an encrypted hard drive. Once again, I don't remember the password that I encrypted it with. Yeah. And it has one of the original Dogecoin wallets on it. And, and it's got a lot of Doge in it. I don't know yeah. how much, but at the time it was worth nothing. Yeah. And like, I just have this computer that has no use at all at my house. Yeah. And I have a post-it note on it that says full of Doge. And like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just going to keep this object forever. Oh, that's funny. When you started getting into the space, what are some of the big questions that you had that you were like trying to figure out? I mean, when I started getting into NFTs, the, the biggest question I had, which, which I think is a common one, is like, why? And, and, yeah. and why, why, why would I buy one of these? And, and if I were to buy one, what should I buy? Yeah. And I think I would go on to like major marketplaces and I would see like the newest things listed for sale. 
And to be blunt, like to me, like a lot of like ugly animals or, or things that felt like disingenuine yeah. or things that felt like people put this art together really quick. Like, like, and I, I didn't understand the collectibles aspect of it as much. And I was like, why, like, why would I buy this? And I think that took like, that's the hardest thing. And that's actually still a question I get a lot from people when they go on to, I'll, I'll talk to them about voice, but they'll be like, I haven't been to voice.com yet, but I've been on, you know, whatever other marketplace. And like, I went there and I don't know what to buy. And my answer to them a lot of times for, for some of those other platforms is like, of course, because that that marketplace isn't actually for people that don't know what to buy. It's for it's for someone going to the grocery store with a checklist. Like right. you're you're looking for X with these attributes, right. right? And as someone new to the space and without a guide for that, like I, I was also at a loss, like, what do I buy? But at the same time, I think, and, and I'll mention this other company very positively, but like Patreon, right? I think about my experience, like backing artists on Patreon and how I'm, I'm not actually necessarily buying art. like. And I'm not just like backing someone based on what their stuff looks like. Mm -hmm. Like I get a sense for the artist. What is their volume of work? What do they create? Like what, yeah. what is their subject matter? What's important to them? And like, I'm buying into that narrative just as much as I am anything else. But yeah. when I started, I didn't even, I, even though that's a context I've had throughout my life for, for art and design, that's not something I immediately ported over to the NFT space. Mm. And to be honest, it took time and a lot of like trying to treat it like an investment platform like to figure out that that's not what it was to me. Yeah. And then of course, at the same time, voice was building up towards, we, we just came out of beta recently and figuring out what our own voice was in that community. Yeah. And I'll say that like my own experience going through what I did along that journey, as well as how we saw our users having that same experience. And a lot of our users are not crypto natives right. or, or NFT. Now they're NFT artists, but they're artists who are making NFTs, right? Which is, which is different. Mm -hmm. And seeing how like they grew into our platform and mature that space was also a big part of me coming to view like, who I am as an art collector. And, and I view myself more as a digital art collector than as an NFT collector now right. as well. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you brought up Patreon. I, you know, I'm in, not an artist, but, you know, as a podcaster, a lot of people in that community, big network of creators. And I think a lot of people are looking at this space and wondering, okay, you know, we've used Patreon to, you know, get support from fans in the past. Is there a way we can come over and do use NFTs instead? And, and that's one reason why I was excited to partner with Voice to create some NFTs for my own show was to kind of explore this option and and be the you know the test subject for what I think a lot of other podcasters and creators are going to start thinking about which is how do I create something that can allow my followers, my fans, my friends to support me and maybe get a piece or you know some type of access or something along with it you got to figure out what that is but I think there's huge new opportunities there. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big believer that like there's the conversation about utility in NFTs, mm -hmm. like, and I and I genuinely do believe that like support is the is the main utility, right? Like, so I, of course, like if I bought one of your NFTs, I'd love to get something. I, we all love to get things, right? Like yeah. in, in return in the end, right. but at the end of the day, like you know, my philosophy is like my utility is that I bought into you, your brand, your podcast, right. and you get to keep making it like, 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 like mission accomplished for me. Like I, I, if I get to listen to another episode, I'm here, right? right. Like, like I, that, that is my payback. And if I, and if I were to get more than that, or if users can get more than that, that's even, that's even better, right? Like, like the yeah. idea of like a shared economy, but I think we're, we're, we're entering a world, particularly in the United States, where like, when we look at careers, right? Like we're finding ways for, for creators to have careers as creators and, and mm -hmm. even pre NFTs, this was already like really exploding, particularly yeah. with podcasts, with YouTubers, with, with things in that scene. And this is giving away for folks that produce digital artifacts to like make that into a career versus ha also having to like, you know, 
work an hourly job on the side, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah. and then try to find a way to to break into a very a very hard to break into traditional scene art, or be lucky enough to be hit an influencer level where you can like sustain yourself off of ad revenue, which is quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, many are calling this the creator economy, right? Like, there's so many opportunities for creators without going through middlemen anymore. Whether it's artists and NFTs or musicians on TikTok or, you know, all kinds of stuff that's going on where people can, you know, connect directly and really support artists. And I would imagine this is a big part of what voice is doing and what you're doing there, right? Is is creating this platform so that artists can easily create their digital assets or art or whatever it may be to make it available to more people. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Like I, I, for those listening and, and then for yourself, like imagine the first time, like I set up a MetaMask, which I told you, like I also mm. lost, right? right. Like, yeah. and, and it's because like, how would I know these things? Right. Like yeah. I, I don't, it's, you know, the experience isn't so that to the average user. Yeah. It's like, complicated. In, this isn't, yeah, it's not intuitive. It's, it's not what we've been trained to do. And, and we've all been trained through our experiences on the web. Right. So for voice, you, you come on, you sign up with a email address and password, just like you would on anything else. We don't have gas fees. We're we're a private chain, which is part of how that's that's enabled. And you can mint your NFT for free. I mean, you have to have done the work. You have to design the NFT and, and have mm-hmm. that ready and know what you're going to do and launch. But like, if you know what you want to create, like you can go from signing up to minting your first NFT in about a minute, like that that whole process in about one minute. Yeah. And then you're out there. And then that that gives you the option to start like monetizing it. And I think when we talk about you know people who have become artists or people who are creators and have employed artists to leverage the crypto scene. I mean, I'd love for them to come onto our platform as well, but like really like these tools enable artists who are not in that or are not devoutedly technologists who are making work and have dedicated themselves really to the craft of, of the uh, visual or audio or, or video arts yeah. and or 3D models and giving them a way to, to come in easy and, and produce this and sell this or, or share it with their with their fans. Yeah. I want to get into more of what you're doing at Voice and talk about the the multi-chain future and everything else. But I want to ask one more question for you. You know, you've been in we'll say tech space for a long time, working in engineering at Forbes, et cetera. But that, you know, I was more web one, web two, right? What was it like making that big move to web three? And what, what were you most excited about when you made that move to come into this space? Yeah. I, I mean, I talked about this a little bit like. I was excited about artists and, and collectibles. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I actually knew what I was getting myself into. Yeah. And, and, you know, in many ways, like I've been at small companies and scrappy ones. I'd owned my own. And before Forbes, I had always worked in agencies from owning my own to leading teams at others. And, and so very much I was in a very high paced ecosystem, right, mm. through, through agencies. But I never worked at like a startup. Like this is also in many ways. I mean, it is literally my first startup. So between like the startup energy and vibe and the Web3 vibe, I think I've gotten a taste for something really delicious and fantastic. Mm. I get to feel like what it's like to be on, on the very edge of technology as things are like paved and created. And, and that to me is something I, it would be impossible to give up, like the, the feeling of being in there. In terms of like the Web2 to Web3 transition, I think, you know, one thing that I've experienced and, and, and not at voice because I get to be such a significant piece of like shaping that narrative, but overall is there is kind of this like disconnect from trends that we've seen in user adoption 
versus the expectation of user adoption from a lot of the folks in this in this world. And by that, I mean, it's like, well, we're going to go into the future where everyone understands they need to have seed phrases and protect their, you know, their private keys and everything will be self-custody and, and everything will be decentralized. And I think we're going to see a, a vast maturization of those tools. But what my experience from the traditional web world has like taught me and, and, and a decade plus of experience leading teams and some some decent sized teams and, and on very reputable brands through that is if anything what we actually move towards is abstraction right like there's there's no other technology other than than web3 tech today where i would talk to the average user and i mean like the average user across everyone and be like what protocol is that running on and then people tell me like what their email protocol is because mm-hmm. no one cares what their email protocol is they care that their email is private they care that it works. They clear it sends and receipt care. Like that's what they care about. Right. And at the same time, it's like, I, I also think about what it means to have self-custody of like funds and assets. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to own an apartment, but like, man, I, I can't imagine if I was in like wild West days and like, you could come and steal my deed and that's your apartment. Right. Like, I love that. It's a city record. I love that that's centralized yeah. and I need lawyers to transfer who owns my right. house. I don't want you to get a piece of paper and own my house. Like that's, that's scary. And so I think that there are so, so anyways, so one of the transitions that I've seen is actually like there are some people here who who share some sentiments of me, but like I've come into a space where I have a lot of experience in one world. And then I'm also now working alongside individuals who are particularly engineers, like newer to the scene. This is either maybe one of their first gigs or something that they've come into, you know, while being an individual contributor and now they have a broader context. And to me, like the biggest shift that I've had to make in working with this injury is like industry is contextualizing like the vision for where people see this versus the vision that I've seen other technologies mature in like throughout my career and how I think, and you know, it, it's not going to be one or the other that's, that's going to be the end result. It's going to be something intersectional of those, but like trying to figure out where that, that Delta is we're going towards. So fascinating. And, you know, good point about a lot of people talk about, well, real estate's going to be on the blockchain and all, all this stuff in the future. I think there's some things we still need to figure out, right? I mean, just a few days ago, I just did an episode about scams that I've seen for people to avoid. And, you know, someone hacked the board ape Instagram account and tricked a couple of people into clicking a link and they lost a, you know, a board ape versus, you know, worth $400,000, like as much as somebody's house. And could, could you just, imagine losing your, losing your house because you right, someone just link. takes it because you click the link and now you don't have a house anymore. Like it's, we definitely need some, you know, some regulations and protections around that. It's a crazy world. Yeah. I mean, there are things that I'm very comfortable owning and having self-custody of. A house, yeah. I'm, I'm glad there's a title. Right. Thanks again for listening to my NFT journey. Hey, I wanted to take a moment to let you know that our podcast right now is sponsored by voice.com. Yeah, voice is an easy place for creators to create carbon neutral NFTs. That's right. You may have heard about NFTs from the outcry around environmental impact and how much energy is being burned by Bitcoin and Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies and NFTs and tokens traded on the blockchain. Well, Voice is 65,000 times more energy efficient than Bitcoin and 17,000 times more energy efficient than Ethereum. So if you're looking to create some NFTs very easily or buy some NFTs, especially low-cost NFTs, very easily with US dollars and without 
burning lots of energy or impacting the environment, then check out voice.com. I am working on creating my own collection of NFTs on voice, and I've found so far that it's extremely easy. All you need is the right graphic, the right strategy, or what you want to create. Decide what you want to give to people when they buy the NFTs, and then go set it up. It only takes a few minutes. So go check it out, voice.com, and let me know what you think.